Hello, and welcome to the Anti-Fragile Tarot Podcast. This is your resident card slinger, Susanna, here with the first October episode. Yes, there will be a Halloween one. I know, not a lot of time in between them, but that's okay. We're going to do it anyway, because I'm committed to making this all happen. So, a listener recently reached out with a really good idea that I'm going to expand on. I did reach out to her personally, but I wanted to go into it a little bit more and I thought it would make a really good podcast episode. So her suggestion was uh, talking about how the number of the minors relate to each other. Now I'm going to preface this with I am not super well-versed in numerology. It is not something I've put a ton of time into myself. I I have some passing knowledge about it, but I'm not someone who uses it heavily in what I do with, with very few exceptions. There's also the idea that numerology is different across different beliefs and cultures. So something to keep in mind is that tarot numerology is pretty Western. And of course, you also have the added confounding factor of some decks using different elemental associations for the suits. Uh, There is a growing trend of swapping the elemental significance of wands and swords, thinking that sword should be fire and wand should be air because, you know, swords are forged in fire and wands are waved in the air and and there's a whole host of reasons for it however for the purposes of this podcast we are going to be using the Rider Waite Smith popularized style of the four suits being wands as fire cups as water swords as air and pentacles as earth pentacles are often commonly referred to as coins or discs so if you're using a different deck you may see that designation. So um, I've already done a deep dive into the suits. You can catch those in earlier episodes of the podcast. What I have not done is, is really just give a very basic episode going over the correlation. So something that uh, this listener, Julie, brought up is that you know, she wanted to find out this commonality between the cards of each number. And I've said before that an easy way to approach learning the suits is knowing that there's a very similar story being told in each suit. So we're going to start with the aces. The aces are all, again, I'm using very traditional rider weight symbolism here. So adjust this accordingly to any deck that you're using. The aces in Rider Waite are all a hand coming out of the sky with the significance of the suit. So a symbol of the suit displayed. More minimalist decks may just have the symbol instead of the whole thing. Another thing I really like that the Rider Waite does is that at the bottom of the 
card, there's a little uh, scene almost. It's harder to tell with the cups, but there's a little scene that helps show some of the story of the suit. So in the wands, you have this kind of hilly, somewhat arid land, you know, mimicking the fire nature of the card as well as the difficulties that are displayed within the suit. The cups, you just have this, looks like kind of like a pond, this, this lush overflow of water. With the swords, you have an even more austere mountainous vision than the wands. And the pentacles have this gorgeous gateway made out of foliage. So one more thing I want to bring to your attention in these ace cards in the Rider-Waite-Smith is that all three of the suits, besides the pentacles, have yod marks on them. Now, yod is a Hebrew letter. It's the 10th letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And it is present in, in several cards in tarot. Uh, the aces and the tower are the, the main ones. And it's really important in tarot because it means, well, it, it often means uh, hand, but it also um, denotes this divine source of knowledge and meaning. So that's something very useful to consider as you're looking at the aces. So again, the aces are just this pure representation of the suit. When they come up, they often mean an opportunity in that particular realm is approaching or that you're very focused on it or that's that's what you want to give to others. And, you know, I'm curious to see what your interpretations are. So by all means, feel free to share them. Uh, but again, you know, all this is just my take and, and what I've learned in almost 20 years of reading tarot. So those are the aces. On to the twos. So the twos are really all about balance and duality. So it's also this like basic expression of the idea, right? It's just, I feel like in, in the writer way, suits especially it shows this really basic uh crux of what the story of the suit entails so again i'm just going down the list looking at all of the cards in the twos each card shows some kind of balance in the wands it's an inner balance it's, it's looking within yourself to see what drives you and what plans you want to make. In the Two of Cups, it's a balanced relationship and a sharing of ideas and communication. In the Swords, it's you know that very iconic blindfolded woman with the two swords crossed over her, unable to make a decision. Or perhaps that is her decision. And in the Two of Pentacles, it's this jaunty kind of juggler balancing 
two pentacles within an infinity symbol. So again, you really have to consider the the balance and duality epitomized by the twos, as well as again this this idea that this is really the the very most basic expression of what these are about. So, you know, in the wands, you have this this very basic idea of of self determination and and motivation. In the twos, you have emotional compromise and and compatibility and happiness for the swords it's this conflict and this intellectual conflict specifically that's often complicated by emotion and in the pentacles it's this very almost mundane tangible expression and again with with the water in the background of that card as well there's often that idea of balancing your practical and emotional considerations. So the threes are about expansion and often some kind of participatory growth. You know, it's kind of like breaking ground on this idea. So in that three of wands, we have this figure who's taken the soul searching in the two and is now looking outward towards what they can accomplish, what horizons they can reach with this. In the Three of Cups, it's a friendly meeting, this emotional sharing and, and expansion by sharing your emotional ideas and expression with others. In the Three of Swords, again, another extremely iconic card, you have you have some some emotional trauma to deal with you know that's you you take your you take your your two swords and by involving someone else in it or even involving yourself in it more heavily you kind of add to your sorrows and you add to the the burden on your mind in the three of pentacles you have people working together on a building it's unclear if they're actually building it or working together within the building but the the message remains the same across the three of these this is about taking something that's more personal and on a smaller scale and bringing it into a larger scale then we have our fours with our fours we have a moment of pause all of these are about stability and reflection and what to do next so with the four of wands you have this this very stable structure that has been built with with these ideas and and motivations with the four of cups you you have someone who's taking a moment to consider their options with the four of swords it shows this vigil whether this is a knight in their final resting place in a crypt or whether it's someone who is sitting a vigil it's hard to tell by the by the light and it's expressed differently in different decks but it's still a moment of intellectual rest letting your thoughts lie there's no need to pursue it further at that point so it's a very contemplative pose regardless and the four of pentacles 
is a figure who is literally keeping their feet on their resources and keeping their, their resources on their mind and holding on to the, the tangible and quantifiable resources that they have. So I think that of all the cards, the fours are probably the easiest one to assess the commonalities between because you can, you can see that moment of pause in all of them. Then we come to fives. Now fives are a number of conflict and chaos. This is something that I'm very familiar with as a Discordian and our law of fives. All of these cards show some kind of central conflict to the suit. So thinking of the fives as, as a card of, of conflict and strife is going to be very helpful for you. So with the wands, you have this, this raucous, maybe fun, maybe not battling with, with these staves. With the five of cups, you have a figure who is so focused on what they've lost that they don't see what they still have emotionally. You know, these, these spilled cups, I always say, don't cry over spilled wine. With the five of swords, you have someone who has emerged victorious, but still looks pretty wounded. And with the five of pentacles, you have people who are very clearly not doing well for themselves. And they're either locked outside of or leaving or maybe even approaching somewhere that looks warm and bright while they're out in the cold with rags and crutches. So all of these cards show a very central conflict to whichever suit they're within and also illuminate you know, a potential downside of the suits. So then we have the sixes. I view the sixes as very transitional. I view them, almost all of them are our journeys in some way or other. And maybe that's my own personal take on it. But all of these cards show some kind of transitional process and the growth that needs to happen after that conflict has occurred. So with the six of wands, you have this sort of victory lap. This person receiving their approval and validation after they've pursued what they want to pursue. With the Six of Cups, you have this idyllic childhood scene. It's that transition from childhood to adulthood. It could also be the transition that one makes towards a family of their own. The Six of Swords, which is one of my favorite cards, shows a journey over water. And it looks like it's, you know, away from a place. You still have the you know, intellectual and psychological weight of the swords, but you're still moving. And with the Six of Pentacles, it shows the, ne the necessity that all of us will have at some point or other in our lives of being on the giving or receiving end of charity or generosity and that can be a very pivotal moment of growth 
in either direction, whether you're the one giving or receiving. So in that way, the, the growth of each suit is really delineated for me. You, know, you can really see that each one is a, a journey through that difficult part of the fives of each suit and towards the eventual completion, which is, will be the tens. Then we move on to the sevens. The sevens are mostly external challenges. Uh, they're, they're things that you can't fully control yourself as well as how you respond to those challenges. So the seven of wands shows someone who's defending themselves against an onslaught of other wands. The seven of cups shows this very dreamlike emotional scene of having all these options but really being unable to to determine whether they're good or bad are the ones that are good really good or the ones that look terrifying really that bad what about the ones that seem somewhat neutral what should be done about those it's, it's being presented with all of these conflicting emotions and figuring out what to do with it we can't really control our emotions. The Seven of Swords shows a challenge of trying to, well, I like to, the way that I like to see this card in recent times is a little different than the textbook meaning of it. The textbook meaning of the Seven of Swords is someone getting away with something. It's deceit, deception, all those nasty things. But I also think that it's it's trying to figure out your own boundaries and what you can get away with. So in that sense, it's still an external challenge because what you're doing is limited by what is going on around you. So you may have all these, these plans, but can you really contain all of your ideas with the rest of reality around you. And that seven of pentacles is showing someone who's considering their resources and what they've grown, and what they've done with it. And, you know, there's a lot to be said for the investments that we make and the responsibilities that we have when we're making those investments. But there's also a lot of factors in terms of your own resources that are way outside of your control. See capitalism. So that's something to, to tie that in. Then we have the eights. The eights often show a reaction to those challenges of the sevens, as well as to me, sort of this, this core idea of the suit repeating itself. So with the Eight of Wands, we just have these wands going. Just hurtling through the air. Total pure motivation. It's almost the, the purest expression of the wands in the entire suit, in my opinion. Then with the Eight of Cups, you have someone walking away from 
a carefully constructed castle of cups walking away from something that they've committed to emotionally. It's a hard card, but it's a necessary part of that growth. For the Eight of Swords, you have someone confronting the psychological limits of their anxiety. You, know, you have this, this bound figure who is so close to freedom, but, but can't quite see it and can't quite grasp it. And with the Eight of Pentacles, you have someone who's just solidly working away at their, their pentacle work. They're making pentacles. They're literally forging their own resources. So all of these are, are sort of things that you're going to repeat and repeat and repeat until you finally break free of that cycle of the suit. You know, with the Eight of Wands, you're going to constantly be driven by this motivation, but are you ever going to finish something? I know, I just called myself and I'm sure half of the listenership out here. With the Eight of Cups, you're going to keep investing into things that you have to walk away from until you invest in something emotionally that is a more solid bet. With the Eight of Swords, you'll keep getting hamstrung by your own inability to let things go psychologically until you finally put those to rest and that's not always you know a comfortable process or ever a comfortable process and with the eight of pentacles you know work is an important part of your own tangible growth and material growth but at some point you also have to rest and enjoy what you're doing that leads us into the nines the nines are they're sort of a, a more fully realized structure than the four because the fours are like the stability and structure, but the nines are that structure with more knowledge and purpose. It's also, I like to consider it the uh, sort of the last big step. I often liken the nines to the judgment card in the major arcana. Because it is an achievement and you can stop at the nines. In any of the suits, you can stop there. The problem is if you do stop there, you run two risks. You run the risk of reverting back to the eight and just getting stuck. Or you run the risk of not feeling like you've really completed what you meant to do. So again, drawing on the rider weight symbolism. With the nine of wands, you have someone who's... You know, definitely seen some stuff and been through some stuff, but is preparing to either turn back or forge ahead. They're, they're taking a moment to internalize the meaning of what they've done and where their motivation has gotten them. With the Nine of Cups, you have someone who's surrounded by this stable emotional situation, but they're also walled off. And kind of alone. You, know, you, can, you can reach this emotional success and this emotional completion, but if you're not really fully actualizing it in the way that you need to to get to the 10, you might find that it's a little lonely and self-centered. 
With the Nine of Swords, you have just pure unbridled anxiety. You have the weight of all of this emotional and intellectual and psychological process hanging over you and it's overwhelming. It's a real feeling of overwhelm when you're purely in an intellectual realm. Finally, with the Nine of Pentacles, you have a very similar situation to the Nine of Cups. In fact, I would argue that if you look at the, the suits, there are some parallels to be made between some of the pentacles and some of the cups, as well as some of the swords and some of the wands. These very direct parallels between those cards. But that's a more advanced episode that I'm going to be getting into. I, I still have this big plan to do this like paired cards kind of idea. So we'll get there. But with the Nine of Pentacles, you have this very similar situation to the Nine of Cups. You have a woman who's in this beautiful garden surrounded by all of her, her resources as symbolized by the Pentacles. And she looks happy, but again, she's alone. She's not really fully using what she's come to amass. And that's an okay place to be. It's not a bad place to be. But you still may feel unfulfilled or wind up working to, to finish it up. So then we get to the tens. This is the ultimate completion of each suit if you stay within that realm and you see it through to its full conclusion without other input. So with the Ten of Wands, you have someone who's just lugging their their wands and they're they're so close to, to being at the end of their goal they're so close to it but it's it's that feeling of when your motivation runs out and you have to rely on your plan and your dedication that you hopefully did in the twos and threes to see you through with the ten of cups you have this this beautiful idyllic you know sort of looks like a family often symbolizes marriage you know, couple with some kids and this rainbow with all the cups. So it's this emotional fulfillment in yourself and with your relationships with others. Again, that you've hopefully worked through with the twos and the threes. With the Ten of Swords, one of the most overwhelmingly negative cards in almost any deck, you have someone who has finally reached the end of their overthinking because they have ten swords in their back. Now, again, the thing with this is that you can't really work through these psychological and intellectual problems until you are willing to put them to rest. And sometimes that means accepting things that you don't want to accept. Accepting that some things are over accepting that some things will never be over. Really just coming to terms with your trauma and then being able to move past it and realize that although this is potentially debilitating and not pleasant, there is still a bigger picture going on. And the Ten of Pentacles 
shows the, well, it's really interesting. I like two things about this card. One, you have an even more fleshed out family scene at, than you have in the Ten of Cups. But you also have the overlay of the pentacles in the Tree of Life. So something to think about. Remember how we said that the nines are sort of this unfulfilled version of what the suit is about? Well, in the Nine of Pentacles, you have all of the pentacles on the ground. And in the Tree of Life, at the bottom is the most basic and mundane, unfulfilled version and, and foundation of the tree. Now, it's absolutely necessary. But I think it's really interesting to note how the Tree of Life is overlaid on the Ten of Pentacles and contrasting that with the pentacles on the ground in the Nine of Pentacles. Pentacles doesn't even sound like a real word now. Oh my goodness. All right. So, yeah, I mean, there we pretty much have that that comparison of, of each suit and what each point in the story means as well as how it's expressed in each suit it was really fun to kind of go back to basics I miss doing more specific tarot episodes instead of the general ones the general ones are super fun too I like doing them I'm open to all ideas but this has been a nice way to go back so uh thanks again for listening I don't have anything to promote here as I am back on my hiatus on my Etsy since my husband and I are moving soon and school is kicking my behind and COVID is surging back up in New Jersey and I remain an emergency room nurse. So my Etsy's closed. I do still have my Patreon if you want to support this podcast. I currently am paying a friend of mine to transcribe all the episodes, which will be up on my website by the end of the year. I plan to take some time during my winter break from school to uh, update that website and really get my transcriptions up there and, and get all of that going. So that's where that money's going, as well as 10% of my monthly income from that is still going to donations to different organizations. Um, And I also donate on my own, of course, but I'm just saying specifically my Patreon money is partly going to that. Uh, So yeah, if you want to support financially, the Patreon is currently the only way to do that. Not doing any more events this year. Events are canceled. Even the ones that aren't canceled, I don't feel great about doing because of the nature of my work both the tarot work and the non-tarot work. I also really value hearing what you have to say. Uh, If you have any ideas on what you want to hear on the podcast or you just want to chat, hit me up. I'm antifragiletarot at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook as antifragiletarot. I'm antifragilecard on Twitter. I mostly just reblog random social justice and Jewish things and social justice Jewish things. But, you know, occasionally you get some actual content. Uh, It's been nice to chat with you all, and I will be back with a Halloween episode. 
I hope you have a witchy and or wonderful day. Bye.